Okay, so let's learn. So, uh, so first of all, I don't have the, the Nusach in front of me, but I believe that uh, this morning's breakfast was sponsored basically anonymously, Lakavid Rav Shalom and Moshe, uh, and Lakavid, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Ruby Moskowitz, on the birth of their baby girl, Alana. So, they, them, the whole Kehillah, she'll be Zaycha to uh, only see Simchas and Brachas and Achas, Ad die. Okay, so, then we should make a Shtukal Siyam that we're, we finished Perches. It took us some time. So we're moving on to Bez Hashem, the ninth parak in Sefer Yeshua, parak test in Sefer Yeshua. So what I figured is that uh, before, you know, maybe over the, over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll go into specific details of what happens in parak test. But I figured today, we'll just go over like a, a general overview of the storyline of parak test and some of the basic, you know, Yesaitis and of Bez Hashem that, uh, that come from it. So again, you don't you don't have this in front of you. You don't have pretty much anything in front of you. So the uh, it's on the chat, but but even on the chat, you don't have this in front of you. So uh, what is Paraktes about? So it's interesting. Paraktes, b'chol, you should know the breakdown of the prakim. This is just something to know. In not in so on, the, the breakdown of the psak of the prakim, parak aleph, parak beis, parak gimel. It's not from a Jewish makar. This is, I believe, it. it's the Christians came up with that the breakdown of the prakim. We have our messiahs that we have parashias. You have break, breakdowns in parashias. But in terms of prakim, that's not from us. But, uh, but it's well known. Lubavitcher Rebbe in, in a number of places used to say Torah based on the breakdown of the prakim. He used to say, everything's Vashkacha Pratis. So if Lamaisa Yisrael, you know, uses the system that was introduced, whoever introduced it doesn't make a difference. Lamaisa, we accept that it's Vashkacha Pratis. So then what's in each parak? You know, it might have been decided by some uh, person some, at some point, but Bashkacha Pratis, it's. Uh, it's for a reason. So Paraktes is interesting because it starts off, um, the first two psukim of Paraktes introduce a story, but then the, then, then the Navi sort of interrupts that story to, to talk about a different story, and then in Parak Yod it goes back to what it started talking about in Paraktes. So I'll explain. So in the beginning of Paraktes, this is right after the Jewish people just conquered Yerichai, we conquered Ai, we had the whole covenant of Hargrizim and Haravah, which we spoke about for a number of weeks, and so now, Paraktes begins with the following thing. In all the kings, we know that in the, in the land of Eretz Yisrael, it was an interesting setup, we'll speak about this today, that there were, there were a total of 31 sort of uh, city-states within, within Eretz Canaan. And so each state, each city, had its own king, relatively speaking, a certain level of independence, like city-states. So, and so on, the Pasuk says that when all the nations hear about what happened to Yericha, what happened to I, so everyone's, everyone's freaked out. So it says, So they all come together to make a, a treaty and they're going to be a unified force opposing Kal Yisrael. So that's, and then now we're, what you would imagine now is now the Jewish people have to face an enemy that's, you know, that's working together, that's unified, and to attack us. And that's really what Perig Yud continues with. But all of a sudden over there it stops, and it talks about a specific story. So the Pasuk says like this, that there was a city within Eretz Yisrael, the city of Givain. Okay, Givain, they were, they were of the nation of Chivi, it's one of the seven nations. So it says in Pasuk, Ahomaisa, that the, the Givainim, the people of the city of Givain, they wanted to make a trick. They were not. They were extremely intimidated by Klal Yisrael. They did not think that they would be able to handle the battle with us, and so they wanted to make a thing to trick us into into uh, uh, making a treaty with them. And so the pasuk goes by Riches to talk. You'll see. It's good to take a look yourself in Parak Tess. It's a whole thing. The pasuk says that they give Oynim dressed up in in war clothing. They took food that was stale. Their shoes. They took shoes that were worn out. They pretended to be coming from a distant land. And so they, the, the heads of their, of their city traveled to Yishuvanun under this disguise, under this, uh, this uh, guise of coming from a distant place. And they come to Yishuvanun saying that we're coming from a distant land and we heard about the greatness of the Jewish people and we don't want to convert, but we want to make a bond. We have a bris. We want to have a, a treaty with you, a, a, bond, a, a covenant with you. And so first the Jewish people are a little bit wary about it. But eventually, the, the leaders of the Jewish people, with Yeshua ben Nun, the Pasuk goes out to say specifically that they did not ask the Rabbanu Shalom what they should do. Maybe we'll speak about that at some point, but Lamaisa, 
they 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 made a bris, they made a covenant with the Givainim. And that was the that was the thing. So a few days later the Pasik says they realized that the Givainim were liars and they're actually a city within Eretz Yisrael, which they're supposed to wage war and destroy. But they already made this this covenant. So the Pasik uh, goes on to say that the Nesim, so the rest, the, the Jewish people figure, listen, this, the covenant was, it was, a false, uh, was a false pretext. They were, so the whole, the whole covenant we made is obviously not binding. They took an oath, but it's not binding. So the Nesim of the Jewish people told Klai Yisrael, he said, and this is how it's interpreted, in the, there's a Gemara in Saita that, that, that fills in a few blanks, but the, the, way, the way it's explained based on Tarsh Balpeh is that the Nesim told the Jewish people that you're right, technically the bond that we made but it's null and void. Uh, it was under false, uh, false assumptions. Abdelmais would be a terrible chal Hashem if we were to go against our vow because, you know, the world is not going to see it, see it like that. So it be a chal Hashem. So in Mela, we're just going to keep, we're going we're gonna to keep them. We're not going to wage war against them. We're not going to destroy them. But what we will do is, is put upon them the burden of always being subjugated to the Jewish people and they will be forever the chaytvei eitzim the They'll always be the servants and the slaves of the Jewish people. They'll be the water carriers and the lumberjacks. They will have, the, as a city, they'll have an independence, but they'll always be subjugated to, uh, to supply resources to the Jewish people, whatever we need, whether it be financial, whether it be uh, uh, physical labor, whatever we need, that's what the Gainim will be. So that, that's, that's an idea, that's what we call in the Gevainim, the, the that's what it's called, the Gevainim. So there's sugyas like this, Yuvamis, other places where it talks about the Gevainim, and the Gevainim are, are these people, that they're, they made a, bit, a bris with the Jewish people, but they're always subjugated to us to be to be Shaivimayim, Chayt Ve'etzim, to be lumberjacks and so on, workers to, uh, to pay tribute to the Jewish people. That's the Misa of the Gevayna. Okay. And then, as I said, in Paragyud, it goes back to, to that original story that it started talking about, this unified front of the Goyim, you know, going to attack us and how we dealt with that unified front. That's what Paragyud is. So there's a number of questions. I mean, first of all, obvious question is, why would the Navi start talking about a story of the Jew, of the nations of Canaan becoming a unified, having a unified front to wage war against us, and just introduce that you know tupsukim like that, and then stop talking about it, then talk about the gavainim to only go back to Paragut, to go back to what it said in the beginning. What it could have done very straightforward, which is first talk about the this you know little little mice of the gavainim, and then talk about the rest of the of the Canaan that they were unified and they fought against us. V'chulu. What's this Indian? Why does it interrupt? Why does it put the mice of the gavainim in the middle of that? Okay, so that's a question we're going to have to deal with. Now, <clears throat> things like this. In order to appreciate the ma'isa with the gavainim, we need a little bit of background of a sugya in halacha. <clears throat> and this is something, th- th- there's a, a part of this sugya I spoke about, we, if those that have good memories, it was in Parag Vav in Sefer Yeshua, it's a while back already. So I spoke a little, one aspect of this sugya, and this morning we'll speak about a little bit of a different aspect of the sugya. So the sugya is this general idea of making treaties with the nations of the world, with 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 uh, people that were that theoretically we want to wage war with, but to send uh, uh, to offer peace treaties and so on. So that's, we need to investigate that halacha a little bit to then appreciate this story of the Gainim, to have that background, then appreciate this ma'isa. So in the marmakomis that you either physically have or uh, digitally have. So in Marmaka number one, so is a Pasuk at the end of Parsha Shaiftim. So there's a mitzvah in the Torah, in the end of Parsha Shaiftim, very straightforward, it says in Pasuk, says the Pasuk, that when you approach a city to wage war, to conquer it, says the Pasuk, before you go to war, there's a mitzvah on the Jewish people, before you go to war, you have an obligation to offer peace, to that nation first. In other words, to offer them some sort of uh, terms of surrender before you go to war. That's the mitzvah. And the Pasuk goes on to say what that peace means. The peace means that they should be willing to pay taxes, they should be willing to offer uh, uh, you know, services and so on, whatever it is that we need. They should be subjugated to us. They shouldn't, uh, you know, they, should, they could be citizens, but uh, not as chashev. Not as as, as a yid and so on, different terms of, of surrender. That's the mitzvah that you have to offer that before you go to war. If they refuse that, then you go to war. But you have to offer that, that peace treaty. So there's a machlagis rishayinim, whether this halacha of offering a peace treaty is, does this apply to nations within Eretz Yisrael? So in other words, the times of Yeshua Benon, you're conquering Eretz Yisrael, or later when they have to conquer more territory, 
is there such a mitzvah that you have to offer a peace treaty even to those that are in Eretz Yisrael? Certainly if Klai Yisrael want to annex some other country, want to, you know, conquer Egypt or whatever the, the other surrounding areas, so there's a mitzvah for sure. Those are lands that you don't have to conquer, so you should offer a peace treaty first. And if they, if they sign uh, terms of surrender, then fine, then, you don't have, then, you, then halachically you don't have the right to go to war. But does this halacha apply even to Kibosh Eretz Yisrael, to Eretz Yisrael itself? Or no, do we say that when it comes to the land of Eretz Yisrael, there's no option of, of a peace treaty. You have to wipe them out, you have to get rid of them. And all of Eretz Yisrael has to be conquered to become Jewish territory. So do we say that this mitzvah applies to, to people in Eretz Yisrael or not? So this is a big machlekes rishonim. If you take a look at Maramukah number two, Rashi over there on Chumash and Parsha Shaiftim on that pasuk that says that you have to offer a peace treaty says Rashi This is only applying to a voluntary war, a war that you don't have to fight. In other words, again, you're, you want to conquer Egypt, you want to you know uh, annex uh, Syria, so you don't have to. There's no mitzvah to. So then the pasuk says you have to offer a peace treaty. But again, what Rashi is saying is, but wars that you have to fight, in other words, territory that you have to conquer, namely Eretz Yisrael, then there's no mitzvah of, of sending a peace treaty. doesn't make a difference. You have to, they, could be, they could want to make peace or not. We have a mitzvah to conquer them and to go to war. That's the sheet of Rashi. Now, Rashi is, is that's, one of, that's the sheet of Rashi. But Lomaisa, that's a very, it's a das yachid. Kamat, all the Rishonim disagree with Rashi. So if you take a look at Maramukha number three, the Ramban, for example, right on Chumash. Again, this is just an example. It's the Ramban, it's the Rambam, it's Taisus and Saita, many Rishonim and Saita. It's a, most Rishonim are not like Rashi. So if you take a look at the Ramban in Maramukha number three, the Ramban says, not like Rashi. Kriyas HaShalom, this mitzvah of, sen, of offering of, uh, 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 terms of surrender, Afil Mechemes Mitzvah, this applies even to, to war, that's obligatory. Even to, with conquering Eretz Yisrael, you first have to offer uh, terms of surrender. You have to offer an opportunity for Shalom. Even to the seven nations within Eretz Yisrael. If they then refuse that offer, now you have a mitzvah to go to war. But you first have to offer the possibility of Shalom. And the Ramban quotes the Yerushalmi to back this up. The Yerushalmi says in Shviyas Perak Vav, Amr Abishmul Bar Nachmeni, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nechmeni said, Yeshua Benun Kayim Aparshazu. It says in the first Yerushalmi that Yeshua Benun fulfilled the mitzvah of offering peace. Ma Asi Yeshua, what did Yeshua do? So it says the Yerushalmi, Hayeshaleich Prus. He sent out a message. A message was Vayikaisiba, and it was with the following message again to the seven nations in Eretz Canaan. Mishmavakish Lahashlim Yavayashlim. The 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 offer was as follows: If you want to make peace under our our terms. Then fine, we'll we'll accept that. If you want to just you know uh, uh, run away, and uh, you know we don't have to deal with with that. So yeah, then fine, we're giving you an option of retreat. If you want to go to war, we're willing to do that too. So this is the message that Yeshua ben sent. Says the Rishalmi. So says Rabban. I see, you see clearly that even in Muhammad's mitzvah, even in conquering Eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah of sending a, a message applies. This is the Ramban. And this is also the Rambam, Maramarka number four, the Rambam in the beginning of Perak Vav in Hilchas Malachim, talks about this mitzvah of offering a peace treaty. And the Rambam says clearly, again, not like Rashi, that this applies not only to areas that you do not have to conquer, but it applies even to Eretz Yisrael itself. We do not go to war with anyone unless you offer a peace treaty first. This applies to wars that we're not obligated to fight. Echel Mochemes Mitzvah applies even to Mochemes Mitzvah, to wars that you have to fight. Shinemar, Kisik, Revelir, Lilochemela, says the Ramam, the Basik says, you go to a city that you want to conquer, that even you have to conquer, the Kuros Shalom, first you have to offer peace. Imishlimu, and says the Ramam, and if they agree to the terms of, 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 of surrender, again, that they'll be subjugated to us, and they'll, they'll pay taxes, and so on. The kibbu sheva mitzvah shenestava b'nei noyach, and we also accept to keep the sheva mitzvah b'nei noyach. Ein hargin mehen neshama, you're not allowed to kill them, you're not allowed to go to war. Very lamas, and they're, and, and they're now annexed, and they're now uh, under our control, and they have to pay taxes, and so on. But there's no, there's no, you're not allowed to go to war, you offer the peace treaty, if it was accepted, it's fine. So we spoke about this, again, back in Perak Vav, we spoke about the specific a machlokis between the Rambam and the Ramban in terms of what exactly the conditions of, of, of surrender are. That in the Ramban, the conditions of surrender are basically that they'll pay taxes and they'll, they'll surrender resources and so on. 
that obviously they're not going to attack us. That's uh, the terms of surrender. And the Rambam, it included also that they'll keep Shavu Mitzvah Zvininoich. So that's what we spoke about that. But, but that's the background that we have. So the kids are, we have the Machlaikis Rishayim. Again, according to Rashi, the, the, the question is, is there a, an obligation on our part to offer a peace treaty, to offer terms of surrender to nations within Eretz Yisrael? Says Rashi, no. Within Eretz Yisrael, there's a mitzvah to go to war. The whole idea of offering a peace treaty, that's to people that are in Chutzlar, it's to nations of Chutzlar. The Ramban, the Rambam, again, Taisvis, many Rishonim, not like that. Even in Eretz Yisrael, there's a mitzvah to offer a peace treaty. That's, the, that's, the, that's what we have in the Rishonim. So now, now we go back to the story of the, of the Gavayinim. So the thing is like this. In, in the world of Rashi, the story of the Gavayinim makes a lot of sense. Because there, are, there is no peace treaty offered to anyone in Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, the Gavayinim don't want to go to fight. They want, they want to have a peace treaty. But the problem is, on their end, there, there is, there's no offer of, uh, of peace to those that are in Eretz Yisrael. So the Gavayinim have to make this whole ruse and this whole trick, and this whole game, of pretending to be from Chutzlarz, and now, if we think they're from Chutzlarz, Wataka will offer a peace treaty, and, uh, and if they accept those terms, then fine. And that's what happens. So they pretend to be from Chutzlarz, oh, they're from Chutzlarz, we can make a peace treaty with them, no problem at all, and so we accept it, they accept it, everything's fine. A few days later, we realize they're not from Chutzlarz, they're from Eretz Yisrael, no, they're from Eretz Yisrael, there's no idea of a peace treaty anymore, Right? And so, really, we should just go to war with them. So, said the Nisim to the Jewish people, it's a Chal Hashem, if we do that. So, we have no choice but to sort of deal with the fact that we made this treaty and we'll accept it, but they'll just have to be, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll live with it. They'll be our servants and so on. But that's the, that's the storyline according to Rashi. And that's why the Gevoinim had to come up with this trick of pretending to be from Chutzlaretz. And that's why the Jewish people, when they realized they were from Chutzlaretz, they thought, well, the whole thing is, is null and void. Because again, according to Rashi, there is no offer of peace to anyone, to a, to a, to a nation within Eretz Yisrael. But that's all in Rashi. But according to the other Rishonim, the Ramban, the Rambam, so there's a number of problems with the story. We do offer a peace treaty to those that are in Eretz Yisrael. So first of all, why the Givayinim have to pretend to be from Chutzlaretz? You should be done. Send the message. Anyone that wants to have peace, have peace. So why the give Ainim making this whole ruse to pretend to be from Chutzlarts? Number one. And number two, once we find out that they're from Chutzlarts, what does it bother us for? It, it's an irrelevant point. We're, okay, so now you're from Eretz Yisrael. It's also because on table make a peace. Well, if, if there's a peace treaty available and you accept it, then fine. It's like uh, if we make a peace treaty with a nation and, 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 you know, and uh, we're under the assumption that they're all blonde and turns out they're all brunette. It's an, it's an irrelevant point. So they're from Chutzler, they're from Eretz Yisrael. Either way, we'll make a peace treaty with them. So why does that throw, why does that throw Kal Yisrael off? Oh, they're from Chutzler, it's an Afghan Let's say they're from Eretz Yisrael. It's also fine, we'll make a peace treaty with them. So why do the Gavainim, again, Mamanashach, why do the Gavainim, on both sides it's a problem, why do the Gavainim have to have this whole thing to pretend to be from Chutzler? Say that you're from Givain, say from Eretz Yisrael, but you accept the peace treaty. Number one. And number two, when we hear they're from, Chutz, they're from Eretz Yisrael, why does that uh, bother us so much? Okay, fight this. So you're from Eretz Yisrael. There's a peace treaty available. Accept it. Finished. So what's the big problem? So this is, again, like I said, this is not an issue with Rashi. So Rashi doesn't have to deal with any of this. It's obvious. According to Rashi, people in Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed to make a peace treaty. That's why they had to make this whole spiel that they're from Chutzlarz. And when we found that they're from Eretz Yisrael, uh, it's a big problem for us. But in the Rambam, in the Rabban, and so on, <coughs> so what do you need, uh, what's this whole ruse for? So say you're from Eretz Yisrael and you accept the peace treaty. Finished. So there's a number of, of, of answers to that question to sort of understand what was going on in the storyline over here to explain what the Gavayinim were thinking and why we're so upset when we find out that they're really from Eretz Yisrael. Like, what's going on over here? So in that camp, again, of the Ramban, the Ramban, and so on, not like Rashi, there's a number of, of different shatim. So what we're going to focus on this morning is the Rambam himself, his shot of what the story was going on with the Gavayinim, and the Ravid. Rambam and Ravid, and we'll see... We'll see some uh, biggest set in the Vedas Hashem that comes from it, hopefully. So, okay, so Maramukha number five, the Rambam himself in Paragvav and Hilchas Molachim deals with this question of the Gvainim. And he says like this, it's an Allah hey. So he gives a little bit of background. So he quotes the same Yerushalmi that the Ramban quoted. The, uh, again, the Rambam says there were three messages, three letters that Yeshua Benun sent, before we entered Eretz Yisrael. The first letter was Sholach Lam, he sent to them. Anyone who wants to retreat, 
run away. And in fact, the, the, there was a, right, it's, it's well known, because I'll say the, the Girgashi. In, in Chumash, when we're coming towards Eretz Yisrael with Moshe Rabbeinu, it's always described that the seven nations, one of them is Girgashi. But all of a sudden, in Sefer Yeshua, there's no ever mention of the Girgashi. We deal with Kananim and Amairi and Chiti and Prizi and so on, but Girgashi is not there. What happened to the Girgashi? So that's what Chazal said, that they escaped when Yishuvudun sent this message of that there's anyone that wants to run away, run away. That's what Girgashi did. So that was one option. <coughs> then he sent another message. If you want to have a peace treaty, Yashlam is also fine. The Chazvashalach, and then finally, Mishraitz Lasis Muhammad, Yasis. You want to go to war, we'll go to war too. That's the Yushalmi, that's the that 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 that's what Yushubun sent to Eretz Yisrael. Imkain. So ask the Rambam the questions we we asked. So if this is true, that even in Eretz Yisrael, nations that are in Eretz Yisrael, there's a mitzvah on us to offer a peace treaty, and if they accept it under those terms, then fine. Then Then why are the people of Given pretending to be from Chutzlars? What's the what do you have to just say the truth that you're from Eretz Yisrael? What's the problem? So it says the Rambam, this is the aside. It's because when Yeshua Benun sent the offer of peace, he sent it generally, Eretz Yisrael. All 31 city-states, you have the opportunity for peace. Now, this was the mistake that the Gevainim thought, and this is the difference between our thinking and the Gevainim thinking. The Gevainim were under the impression that they, that the government, the, 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 the nations of Eretz Yisrael were one big kingdom. And so their thinking was the following. The offer of peace was to the collective whole of Eretz Yisrael. And that collective whole of Eretz Yisrael, the collective decision was not to accept the peace treaty. So you have one particular city that wants to accept the peace treaty, it's not up to them. If the country is being, uh, you know, when, when, when a peace treaty is being offered between countries, they don't go to uh, the city council of every single town. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 the, it's the, 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 the president, the prime minister, whatever. The, the generals, those are the ones that are involved. So the Gevainim were under the feeling, under the impression, that their country, Eretz Canaan, was one big entity. And that one big entity refused, on a general scale, refused the peace treaty. So now the Gevainim are stuck. So what are we supposed to do? We want to make peace. But like our government, our, our, gen- our bigger government doesn't want to. That's why they had to make this ruse of what? Of going, uh, of going from, uh, to pretend to be from Chutzlarts. V'loyadu, but the truth is, says the Rambam, that was their mistake. V'loyadu mishpat Yisrael, they didn't realize that that's not true. V'dimu sheshuv in pa'islam shalom, they didn't realize that by us, we don't view them as one big entity, we view them as individual governments, individual sort of mini uh, countries, city-states. <coughs> so therefore, says the Rambam, the, the reason why the Gev'aynim were pretending to be from Chutzlaris is what? Is because, is because they were under the impression that they are one big uh, conglomerate. And as one big conglomerate, the, that big entity called Eretz Canaan refused the, the, the treaty. So they, the, the, this subgroup wants the treaty. Uh, they don't have such an offer. And so they have to pretend to be from Chutzlaris. <coughs> but, but the truth is, the truth is, the Jewish people would have accepted their peace treaty. Why? Because that's not how we view them. We don't view them as one big entity. We view them as many city-states. So we would have, Taka, been makabal them on an individual level. So says the Rambam, okay, so why were we so upset then when we find out they're from Eretz Yisrael? So says the Rambam like this, So why is it that the Nisim were so upset when we found out, and we realized that, you know what, because you know, they, 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 it, was, it was under this, this disguise of being from Chutzlar, it's really they should be destroyed. If it wasn't for the Shvu that we took, it wasn't, it wasn't for Chil Hashem. So what was the problem? So it says the Ram, they should karsu bris. The answer is, is because, again, you don't have this in front of you, but in Sefer Yishul Perak it's very, very clear that the covenant that was made to this people, it wasn't just terms of surrender. Because they pretended to be from Chutzlaretz, so we weren't really we weren't really going to battle with them to begin with. So it wasn't just a matter of surrender. It was they were what they were requesting was a was a bris was a covenant that was made between us and this you know this nation you know uh, this foreign nation. And so says and and the pasuk the pasuk talks about this in, in um, again in Paraktes. It makes the point of this. Um, it says it like this, Pasuk Tesvav. Yeshua makes peace. And he makes a covenant with them to, to give them support and so on. And we, made, and we took an oath. 
And then the Pasuk goes on to say that uh, a few days later when we realize that, uh, that uh, it was a mistake, after three days, after we made this covenant, so the Pasuk keeps on stressing, not that we made a treaty with them, but it keeps on stressing the fact that we made a bris with them. So it says the Ramam, because that was the point. The point wasn't so much the covenant that was made. Because you know what? The reason why they, again, so it's just like a funny thing. The, the reason why they were pretending to be from Chutzlaretz was what? Is because they thought there would never be an offer to them, you know, to have a peace treaty. Because they were under the assumption that their government was Eretz Kanan Bechlal. But the truth is, we would have accepted their, their offer. So why are, we, why are we so upset when we realize uh, they're from Chutzlaretz? That they're from Eretz Yisrael. The answer is, is because we didn't, they were, they, we didn't just make a peace treaty, we made a bris with them, a covenant with them. That is something that we shouldn't have done, knowing, realizing that they were from Eretz Yisrael. Says the Raman like this, So again, why were the Nesim so bothered? And, 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 and they saw that, that since they really tackled from Eretz Yisrael, we should have gone to war. Says the Raman, it's because of the bris, the covenant that we made. And it says in Pasuk, Even if you're making a peace treaty, the peace treaty should not be in such a way of a covenant. You don't sign, to make a, a, a bris that is, that is binding, and no matter what happens, we have to nail it. The, 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 the treaty itself, a peace treaty, should be made for those nations in Eretz Yisrael that want it, but it should be tenuous. It shouldn't be like, okay, now for the next uh, hundred years, no matter what comes, you know, whatever situation comes up, we're together. No, there's no such thing. These are the conditions of, of peace. If, if at some point you begin to not keeping those things, then, uh, then, then the deal is off. But to make a bris, that's something that was inappropriate for, for a nation in Eretz Yisrael. They should have just been subjugated to, uh, to the peace treaty, but not with a bris on top of that. And therefore, again, so, so says the Rambam, interestingly enough, it wasn't so much the, the peace treaty that was a problem. Again, the Gevainim were making a whole shtickle. They were, they were pretending to be from Chutzlaretz because they were under the assumption that even a peace treaty would not be offered. But the truth is a peace treaty would have been accepted. It would have been accepted because we don't view them as one big entity. We view them as city-states. And therefore, even though there was this general message you know, uh, of peace, but it depends on each city to decide whether they want to accept it or not. So, the only, so that's why they, that was the, that was the mistaken, that was the machlokes between us and them. But it happens to be, besides the treaty was also made with it, but now that we were under the assumption that they were from Chutzlaretz, so now we weren't just making a peace treaty, we were making a bond. And that's inappropriate for anyone that's in Eretz Yisrael. You follow the, the, the process? That's what's going on over here. And since it was all a mistake, really, they, really, really, the bris, everything was 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 under false pretenses, and therefore it shouldn't have been accepted. Otherwise, that's what we that's what we went along with it. That's the that's the mahalach of the Rambam. Now, what's interesting in the way of the Rambam is that you have this like machloike, so to speak, between Kla Yisrael and. Canaan, how to view their government. It's a fascinating thing. Is that, again, we view them as individual city-states, individual mini-governments, and it's definitely true that if you offer a peace treaty and the country refuses, and there's one block, you know what I mean, that this chevre over here want to go to, want to make peace, uh, you know, it's, it's dependent on, on the larger government. So this is, so we view Givine as an independent entity, an independent government, and if they, if they wanted under, under the truth, to explain that they're from Eretz Yisrael, and they're from Given, but they want to have peace, and Gesundheit. They were under the assumption that that's not how the government works, that's not how we would view them. That we would view them all as one big entity, and that's why they, uh, they felt this pressure to pretend to be from Chutzlaretz. Okay, that's the way of the Rambam. The Ravid is, is interesting. The Ravid is not like that. Maramoka <coughs> number six, the Ravid, again, comes to explain, again, why the, the main question, why would the Giv'aynim have to pretend to be from Chutzlar, it's again, we'll, we'll accept the peace treaty within Eretz Yisrael. So he says like this, he says the Ramam's interpretation is a mistake. So I, so again, so, 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 so let's go back. So the, the, Yishubinun sends an offer of peace. What's the problem? So he says like this, says the Ravid, Yishubinun, it's true, he sent a peace treaty. The offer was only 
it was only uh, acceptable before we crossed over the Yardin and we begin to conquer Eretz Yisrael. But once Yishuv goes into land and begins to conquer, and we're already in enemy territory, then it's too late. In other words, says the Ravid, the, the, the reason why the Gev'aynim had to pretend to be from Chutzlaretz is taka because once the, the, the offer of peace is only before war begins. But once war starts, once we're, once we're engaged in the, with the enemy, then what? Then the, the, the offer's off the table. Now we're in war. In other words, if, in other, what the Ravid is telling us is that, that, that even, that, not, not like the Rambam, again, in, in the Rambam, the way we view the, the, the Eretz Canaan is a bunch of city-states. So, for example, in the Rambam's world, when the Jewish people were fighting against Yericha, who were we fighting against? Yericha. Was that a proclamation of war against, against Shechem? No. And when we fight against Shechem, that's fighting against Shechem. Is that a proclamation of war against those living in Tveria? No. Every single city is its own entity. But the, that, 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 and that's, that, that's exactly what the Gavoyim were mistaken about. They didn't realize that. And that's why the Ramam says that really we would have accepted, even after we begin to engage the enemy in Yerichai, we'll accept a treaty from Givain. Enough. What, what, is, what does Givain have to do with Yerichai? But the Ravid is saying, no, 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 no. It's not, not true. Once the Jewish people enter into Eretz Yisrael and we begin to fight Yerichai, it means the treaty is off the table. It means that even if, if, if Givain now offers to accept, we will not accept them. So says the Ravid, the Givainim were right to pretend to be from Chutzlarz. You know why? Because, because, we, because Eretz Yisrael is taka, now we also consider it to be one large kingdom. And once you begin to attack that entity, and that entity refuses, obviously, is refusing to accept the peace treaty, then it's taka off the table. So it's an interesting thing where you have this, like how do we view, how do we view the nations of Eretz Canaan? So again, they viewed themselves certainly as one big, as one big entity. That's why the Gevayinah feel compelled to pretend to be from Chutzlarz because they don't think that we would accept their treaty, you know, because they're only just one city amongst a larger government. But how do we, that's how they thought of themselves. How do we think of them, Taka? So it's an interesting machlek is between the Rambam and the Ravid. The Rambam says that we view the entities of Eretz Yisrael as individual uh, city-states. And Mimela says the Rambam, the truth is we would have accepted the treaty of the Gevayinah. So why are we so upset when we realize that the Eretz Yisrael, the answer is, is because it wasn't just a treaty of peace, it was also a bris. The bris was made because we talked thought they were from Chutzlarz. That's why we were so upset. But says the Ravid, no, 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 no. I'll tell you why we were so upset, because we should not have accepted the treaty. Aye, we accept treaties from Eretz Yisrael. The answer is, that's only before you start going to war. But once you start going to war, the treaty's off the table. Aye, we weren't going to war with Givon yet. The answer is, the Givonim were right. They're one big government. And once we start fighting against Yerichai, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an attack on all of Eretz Yisrael. And so once you begin to attack, that means there's an official, you know, the, the time of peace, of offer of peace is, is off the table. So the Gevainim says, that in the Ravid's world, the Gevainim, it's not true. They, they, at this point, where, where Yeshua Benun already crossed over into enemy territory and began to fight, then there's no option of peace anymore. Because we already began to fight with the, the collective government of Eretz Yisrael. And that's why the Gevainim had to pretend to be from Chutzarts. And that's why we were upset when we realized they're from Eretz Yisrael, because at this point, where we already began to fight with Eretz Yisrael, uh, there's no option of peace anymore. So the very interesting machlag is how to view the governments, these 31 kingdoms of Eretz Yisrael, do we view, of Eretz Canaan, do we view them as one big entity? That's certainly how they view themselves, and that's, the Ravid says, that's how we view them as well. Or do we view them as individual governments, and that's the shita of the Rambam. Okay, so and again, the only... The, What's an Afghan? The only Afghan is to understand, to appreciate the story of the Gevayim. Like how how wrong were they? Like were they were they completely off or not? And that's the that's the breakdown. You follow so far? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it seems like the, the Rambam also agrees that Yeshua only sent for peace before they crossed the Iron. So that's so that's a historical fact. The Rishami does say that that he sent it before, but the but in the, in the Rambam, that's not necessarily a uh, significant point in halacha. Because everyone would agree, let's put it this way, everyone would agree, the Raman would also agree that once you engage in battle, like the, the offer of peace is before the war starts. Once the war starts, and then, uh, then you can't just, you know, it, it's not necessarily up to you to surrender. It's no, there's no mitzvah to accept the peace oh, treaty. Based on this, look, the Raman yeah. could agree that it's after 
thing, but before getting to the Givayin. Yeah, it could be. Because if you think about it, once we get to Givayin, until you get to Givayin, then you're not, you didn't cross over to Givayin yet. You know what I'm saying? So like, we view, we have to view each piece of Eretz Yisrael as an individual thing, and we engage in them. So the fact that we crossed over into Yerichai, that, that, that's still before crossing over, so to speak, into Givayin. Right. So the Raman doesn't make that point. I mean, again, he's just quoting the reality. The, the truth is that Yeshua Benun did send this message, actually, actually, Nichnaslaris. But is that, a, but is that a, an essential point? That's, that's, uh, that's debatable. So the, the Ravid is making, uh, making a point of it. So it, it is true, again, that, that, that he did send it before he got there to Yisro. And again, that's probably the reason why the Raman is adding that is because he's, he's trying to build up the question. Is like the Gavayinu had plenty of time to hear about this. So, like, what, so why, are they, why are they waiting so long? You know, again, if it was like, you know, it, 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 the, the mail was just sent out, maybe they didn't hear about it. But it was, this was already actually Nichnas Laoris. This is already old news that Yeshua Benin sent this letter. So what's taking them so long? So, so that's, the, that's the Ramam's point, is that Anachanami, they just were under the assumption that once the conquest began, then the deal was off. But again, it, it revolves around this, this point, which is, you know, how do we view them? How do we view them? So, unclear, unclear. If if going into Eretz Yisrael already means an act of war against everyone, then it sounds like it has to be. Uh, the the individual one. So maybe that's because they're breaking away from their government. You know, is their 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 uh, what's it called? Uh, breaking off. So that's an interesting point. Okay, so what does this tell us in Avaida? Say? So it's interesting. The Rambam says it applies to Amalek too. It, it applies to Amalek too. Yeah, fascinatingly. The Ravid disagrees with that, that it does not apply to Amalek, but the Rambam says it does. It applies to Amalek too. They have to accept, again, also Shabbos Noyach, but it does apply to Amalek as well. That's the, Ramah, that's the sheet of the Rambam. <coughs> okay, so what does this tell us in, in Avaida? What's the, the opinion of this? So, in, in, so here, what, we're, we're, what, the, what this brings us to is a, is a, is a fundamental point in, in one of the basic differences between Kedusha, between the forces of Kedusha and the forces of Tumma, which is, the way, the way it seems to us is that, here, let's put it this way. There's a very big difference between one, okay, you have the side of Kedusha and the side of Tumma. What are the basic differences? What's the difference between Kedusha and Tumma? Okay, what's the difference? A lot of things. Kedusha means you go to shul, you have a minyanim, you learn a yidavim, and uh, toma means uh, you do all the wrong things. You do all the wrong things. Kedusha and toma. But the pnimius, that's all in chitzanius. In other words, in chitzanius, it would seem that the the malchus of kedusha, the empire of kedusha, so to speak, the universe of kedusha and the universe of impurity are pretty much functioning similarly. It's just that in kedusha you do the right thing, and in toma you do the wrong thing. But in Pneumius, in the Arizal, we're, we're, we're taught this in a number of ways, a number of places, that in Pneumius there's a very fundamental difference besides what you do between Kedusha and Toma. The nature of Kedusha, the underlying principle that is governing the Malcha, so to speak, the empire of Kedusha is Yichud, is oneness, is unification. Whereas the nature of Toma fundamentally, by its very, by its, its very, in its very soul, is the opposite of Yichud, is period, is division. So, for example, in the Zohar Kaddish, we find the Kisra, he talks about this as well, a lot, that if you, if you had to, like, sort of define what is the, what is the you know, like I was speaking about Shabbos, what's the rutzen of all rutzenes of Kal Yisrael, which is Kedusha, it's Hashem Elkeinu, Hashem Echad. What would be the mantra, what is the, the mission statement of the side of Tumah? Not just, not Hashem Echad. The mission statement is, Ano Emloich, I am the king. No, I am the king. I am the king. Every single, the, in the Malchus of Kedusha, every single piece wants to be its own king. So any time that you find what would seem to be a unified front, when it comes to the world, the other side, the, 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 the world of the Sitra that's always in Chitzayimus. In Pneumius, there's no such thing as a unified front in Toma. 
So when we have in Chazal, for example, we have an idea, mitzvah, gereris, mitzvah, and also aver, gereris, aver. That's, that, that similarity, that you do a mitzvah, it leads to another mitzvah, you do an aver, it leads to another aver. Almost as if the level of unity and of connectivity that exists in Kedusha, mitzvah, gereris, mitzvah, also exists in Tumah, aver, gereris, aver, that's in Chitzonius. That's in Chitzonius. It is true that a person gets into bad habits, you know, you get into, and it's hard to break bad habits, but in Pneumius, like when you do, when, when you have that universe of mitzvah, gereris, mitzvah, it's true even in Pneumius. In other words, that every mitzvah that you do is taka connecting and interlocking with the mitzvahs that you've done previously, and it's ultimately building up a unified, uh, uh, unified experience of the neshama. But the nature of Avera, the nature of the Sitra is that it's, on the outside it, might, it pretends to be as unified as Kedusha. That's always the, the rule, that it always imitates the world of Kedusha. So the world of Kedusha is about unity, so the world of Tumah will always mimic that. But in Pneumius, it can't. In Pneumius, the nature of Tumah is period, is division. All of Kedusha is trying to relate and connect us back to Hashem Echad. So, every, so it's in its entire existence and its entire, you know, uh, you know, you know, its entire building blocks are about Echad. But the whole Indian of Tumah is to take us away from Hashem Echad. So its very existence fundamentally is rooted in the division, in, 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 in pulling things apart. So you have this dynamic of where is there yichud? Is there a oneness? Is there an aver gerera type of reality in Tumah? The answer is, in Chitzainius, yeah. Because in Chitzainius, Tumah is always mimicking Kedusha. So just as Kedusha can have a unified front, and we can have like big asifas, you know, you know, to show achtas or whatever, so they could also have their asifas. But that's all in Chitzainius. In Pneumius, yichud and achtas only exist in Kedusha, and fundamentally that is the opposite of what it is in Tumah. By Tumah, it's fundamentally the opposite of that. Take a look at Maramukha number seven. There's a letter from Rav Kook. And Rav Kook applies this idea practically. And he says an amazing thing. Klal Godelhu. It's one of the letters. It's in Chelek Aleph, page Shin Samach Tes. The background of this letter is that he's dealing with a question that he was asked. He's asked this many times. That historically, the way we dealt... I have mentioned this idea before. Rav Kook was asked that historically, the way we dealt with Apikarsim and people that... Uh, you know, no, no goodniks amongst Yidin was always to excommunicate, shun them, and push them aside. And was usually out of two things, a, 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 just a, a yish on them, and a fear that they would take the rest of the Jewish community down. That was the, because it was just, the tumma that they were atta- that they were stuck in, called apikarsis, was just insurmountable, it was unfixable, it, it, you know, you have to just uh, amputate the limb. That was always the approach. <coughs> Rav Kook uh, himself promoted the opposite. He said that, now, that nowadays that's not the Malach anymore, you have to be Makarv. So there was a letter that was sent to him, not a lot of letters, this one in particular was sent to him, like that's not the approach of Kali Yisrael's history. We never did that before. So where are you coming from? That's his, th- this is the response. Klal Gadolhu. He says, you should know it's a big principle. Even though the world, it seems that there's, every generation gets worse. There's Yeridus after Yeridus. So it's only in Chitzainis. In other words, in Chitzainis, it looks like Aver Geras Aver. It's snowballing. The, the, the problems of the world and the problems of the Jewish community and so on, it's just snowballing, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's all in Chitzainis. In other words, in Chitzainis, our, our actions, our Midas are descending. And are not as great as the earlier generations. Based on the individual individual uh, aspects, the individual components of, of individual neshamas. That's one chitzonius. So in chitzonius, there's such a thing, there's like a, a, an accumulative urida, you know, that, that one problem builds on the next and so on. But in pnimius, the pnimius, which is always expressed in like sort of the collective whole of Klal Yisrael, the opposite. In Pneumius, the only thing that could be accumulative is Kedusha, not Tumah. So every generation is accumulatively growing stronger because we're building on all the mitzvahs of the previous generation. But when it comes to Tumah, that's not possible. So if you're looking in Echitzainius that both Kedusha and Tumah can become accumulative, well, that means that uh, the sum, the, the, you know, sum total is probably more on the negative side than the positive side, because the two snowballs that are growing bigger, 
mitzvahs and mice and taivim and uh, difficulties, and you read this in Ephelus, probably they read this in Ephelus as a bigger snowball. But that's all in Chitzainis where you would imagine that these two snowballs, each one, can increase with time because it's building on each other. But in Pneumius, there's only one snowball effect. The only snowball effect in Pneumius is Kedusha. Toma does not have such an effect. And so says Rav Kook like this, In Pneumius, the only, the only thing that could, be, that could interlock with itself is Kedusha. So it's true that our generation, in terms of our Vaida, is very small compared to earlier generations, but it's accumulative. It's building on the earlier generations. So Orlish over Gamkin, and it increases light in the collective whole of the Jewish people that from the beginning of its history till the present moment. But Vavera in La Paris. Averis don't have Paris. That's what the, he's quoting a Gemara. The Gemara says that we say we say every day before by Birchas Atayra, Eludvarm she Adam Eichel Parasim by Lamhaza, Vakaren Kiyamis Lamhaba. Right? These are mitzvahs that you do that the that the essential reward is in Lamhaba, but you can have the Paris of them in this world. The Gemara says that's only by mitzvahs. There are no Averis that have Paris. Averis don't have Paris because that's the nature. In order to have Paris, there has to be a Yichud. Right? You have the husband and wife coming together. You have Paris. Paris means snowball effect. It means you did something, but it, it can build on itself. It could increase. It could develop. That, that whole idea doesn't exist in Toma. Averis don't have pairs. That's what he's saying over here. Velayt Seir, there's no connection. Beside, Yispardu kopaliyavin. That all, all evil forces, Yispardu. It's not just a feel that they should dissipate. That's the nature. The nature is, period. Alkin, klolos uma b'teichayusa. So says Rav Kook, an amazing thing. Therefore, although in Chitzainius there is Eurydice and it seems to be getting worse, but in Pneumius it's not actually the opposite. Kedusha builds and not Toma. So Rav Kook says what's amazing, what, what's, 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 what's interesting is, is that that truth of Pneumius is emerging, says Rav Kook, in the later generations. In the later generations, as we move closer and closer to Mashiach, when the truth of Pneumius will be revealed, then this dynamic of the Jewish people actually being stronger than ever is expressing itself. And Rav Kook goes on to say that that strength expressed itself in our resilience, in our ability to handle all the problems of apikarsis and minim, that we don't have to be so worried about these, uh, these uh, limbs on the tree. In other words, in earlier generations, the, 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 the consciousness was chitzayinus. And because the consciousness is chitzanius, then there is no buildup over the generations of Kedusha over Toma. So every generation is, uh, you know, is, not, is not any stronger. And if anything, we're in fact weaker because the snowball of Averis is probably bigger than the snowball of Mitzvahs. And therefore, because of that, so we're always in a, in a mindset of fear and a mindset of protecting at least what we have. But since we're cooked, but as you get closer to Mashiach, we move into more pneumistic mindset. And the pneumistic mindset, there is only one snowball that's developing, and that's Kedusha. And in fact, we're actually getting stronger and more resilient and more confident with time. And so Rav Cook says that's a change, that, that, that's a shift in how we have to deal with, with uh, these issues, not to be afraid of them and not to be so worried of, of uh, it's going to take over. It's, it's, not, it's not the way it used to be. In the, in the olden, earlier generations, it was talking like that. But not so much now, where the where the, the pneumistic aspect of Klai Yisrael is emerging, and the pneumistic aspect of Klai Yisrael is is stronger than ever, stronger than ever, and that expresses itself in our resiliency. That's what Cook says. So the collective of the Jewish people, in its teichen and its inner content, in pneumius, Himalaya Yisrael are mikathi ha'erach shalaver is more is full of more light than earlier generations. Elushein hadover nigla. La'ayin, but we don't see it, obviously, until Mashiach comes, and Mashiach to reference to what we find in the Tukuni Zara. The Zara says that Mashiach, the Nisham of Mashiach, until Mashiach comes, his soul, that Nisham of Mashiach is contained in what's called the Kan Tzipor, the bird's nest. So what does that mean, the bird's nest? It means Kloimer. It means the whole leading of Mashiach is to bring out the truth that was always hidden in that, in that inner dimension of Pneumius. So, Mashiach is not anything, it's not, it's not introducing us to like, Mashiach is not going to all of a sudden, you know, inject us with unbelievable strength we never had before. We're building up this strength over the generations. The secret of Mashiach is to bring out that truth and to take and to sort of come out of the bird's nest. 
That's what, the, that's what that's Rav Kook is describing, what the Zohar Kaddish is saying over there. Klaimer, Mikola Kedusha Shabakayach means all the Kedusha that was, that's until that point locked in potential, that's not being brought out because it's only a Pneumius, and Chitzanis hides it, it should be revealed in a clear way. That's the dogish that, that Rav Kook is saying. That all flesh should see together the redemption of the Jewish people. Because that is the redemption of the Jewish people, the revelation of Pneumius, which is Yachtov. That's the nature of Kedusha. So what Rav Kook, his point is, is, is painting for us is the following thing. Would, how do we define all the city-states in Eretz Canaan? One big entity? Or by its very definition, individual entities? Well... That the cities, the, the Eretz Canaan, the seven nations, that's called the Malchus of the Sitra Achra. So the Malchus of Kedusha is one. That's Shema Yisrael Shemakin Mishan Echad. Is the Malchus of the Sitra Achra, they mimic that oneness, but are they truly one? Well, the answer is in Chitzainius, they're one. But in Pneumius, the, 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 in Pneumius, it's not possible. You spar the Kabbalah, in Pneumius, they're absolutely not one. <coughs> so therefore, the Givainim themselves, let's, let's, let, 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 let's break it down like this. The Rambam, the Rambam is coming from the place of Pneumius. Like, the, like uh, Rav Kook already said, that the holy name of Mashiach is what? Mashiach ben David is to bring, is to express the truth of Pneumius, which was that everything was all, that Yichud and Achtos and development and Sirv and Peirus was only by Kedusha and not by Tumah. As I've mentioned many times, the Rambam is a Bechina Mashiach ben David. So the way of the Rambam is always going to be seeing things from a perspective of Pneumius. Therefore, in the way of the Rambam, the Gevainim themselves might have believed that they're part of one collective government. But that's a mistake. That's not the truth. The truth is, they're just city-states. By us viewing them as just city-states, that itself is, 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 is a lens of, of Pinius. And therefore, again, the world of the Rambam, the Gevoinim, we would have accepted their peace treaty because uh, even though Yericha doesn't accept it and I doesn't accept it, Given can accept it. The Gevoinim didn't realize that because they're in their own unit. They, they view themselves, again, like the monkey imitating the person. So of course they view themselves as having the sense of Yichud. But the whole Indian of Kla Yisrael's rule, of, of the whole Indian of Pneumius and the Irish al-Mashiach ben David is to realize that, that Yichud only exists in Kedusha and not in Toma. So in the Rambam's view, certainly the cities of, of Eretz Yisrael are independent. But the Ravid, as I mentioned other times as well, where if the Rambam is Mashiach ben David, the Ravid is Mashiach ben Yosef. And because the world of Mashiach ben Yosef is more chitzainius, and it's more dealing with the, the reality that we experience in Gullus, that's the reality of, of the imitation of the monkey, compare, you know, pretending. So in the world of, of chitzainius, Taka, they could have a sense of Yichud too. Therefore, in the Ravid, the nations of Eretz Yisrael, Taka, have a singular entity. And says the Ravid, the reason why they had to pretend to be from Chutzlarts is because the collective government was not accepting the peace treaty. And certainly once we move into Eretz Yisrael, we begin to fight and the, all offers are off the table. We're now engaged in battle on this people. If you want to separate yourself and, 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 and make yourself something else, uh, you, you lost your opportunity because we already, we already declared war on all of Eretz Yisrael. All of Eretz Yisrael? The answer is that in, in Chitzonis, yeah, there's all of Eretz Yisrael. In Pneumius, it's all just city-states. And that's the, the side that's going on over here. So the Allah the Avadis Hashem that comes out of this is to realize that, you know, even though it's true, because <coughs> I'll say, which means you get into bad habits. But the truth is that's only in Chitzonius. Like Rav Kook says, the Iker thing is to realize that in Pneumius, only Kedusha is a cumulative, not Toma, and we should be more confident and more secure and more, uh, 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 you know, and more... Besimcha over the collective strength of the Jewish people than ever before, and uh, okay, to uh, to see the the Mashiach Neshama coming out of Kansipur and the revelation of Pinyas. Be as God said, Amen.